Wafu FM. Gentlemen and welcome to the Chris and Chris Show. My name is Christopher with a Camp Crystal Lake C. Mm. And I've used this before, mm. but fuck it, that's good. I'm mm. Chris with a Kruger K. Oh, beautiful. So this week <laughs> we're reviewing uh, Frederick versus Jason Voorhees. Mm. Sunday names. As they're known to the parents. <laughs> uh, also, going to have a Blu ray review of uh, Arrow's new Burning release, The Burning, sorry. And of course, the return at long last of the movie synopsis game this time because it's October and all that jazz horror centric mm. we need to get like a, a ha- Halloween sound noise in there somewhere damn right it. damn right I'll put that into more bloodshed <laughs> so I guess we'll start with the horror synopsis Let's start with a bang the fan favourite horror synopsis game <laughs> no one's no one said that literally literally the fan favourite yeah, I was going to say one. not many people have said this is a great segment keep doing it we're just doing <laughs> it anyway well, we like it. We like it. So fuck you. <laughs> so, the rules of this game are, we each have five synopsis in front of us. Synopsi? Synopsis. Mm, whatever that is. <laughs> whatever that is. In front of us. Some of them we've made up ourselves. Some of them are real movies. The, op- the object is for the other person to guess if it's real or fake. Mm. Best of five. Join in at home, folks. Yeah, play along. Yeah. You can go first this time. You go first. Yeah. Yeah, I went first last time. Quiet. Two troubled couples retreat to a secluded cabin to participate in a new experimental therapy technique along with their doctor. But when a cursed amulet is found and broken during an attempt at hypnosis, each of them become influenced by a demonic spirit determined to take them down a path of degradation and sin before deciding which unfortunate soul they will possess forever and live amongst us once again. Hmm... Hmm. Surely that's got to be fake. That's fake as shit. Nah. <laughs> the, the whole cabin and amulet. <laughs> what? I mean, it's something that's been done to death, so that film could exist. It, it certainly could. As, <laughs> as, 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 if it was real, that would be 1981's Demon Retreat. Nice. AKA Evil Dead Sex Demon 3 in general. <laughs> yeah. Basically, they should just do the uh, Evil Dead, uh, Ash vs. the Evil Dead. They should just copy that plot. Your turn, sir. Very good, very good. Um, the Little Devils are mini-masters of mayhem. Created by an evil scientist, Dr. Lionel, who discovers an ancient mud pot from hell. Returning home with samples of it, unfortunately, he has been possessed and begins to sculpt gargoyles. Later giving them life, of course, they then go about killing people and wreaking havoc. It's like the term mud pot from hell. It's going to be friendly! I found some mud from hell! <laughs> Fucking hell! Um, I think that's real. It certainly is. Is it called Gargoyles? Uh, no, actually. Yeah. I, I thought that might throw you, but... Um, yeah, it's called Little Devils. Oh, right. I think oh, there right. is a film called Gargoyles. I've never seen it, but I thought, is that the plot of Gargoyles? <laughs> it's a plot to basically... Every Gremlins ripoff movie. Pretty much fucking Munchies <laughs> Nart shit. Oh, so that's why. Munchies is amazing. Well, yeah. Uh, but I thought that may throw you, you see. I thought maybe you'd think, oh, is he just doing a Munchies ripoff? Yeah. 
Yeah, the real Little Devils, the birth, 1993. Yeah. There you go. My next one. A young German vampire arrives in Las Vegas in order to put the bite on unsuspecting showgirls and hookers. His vampiric existence is threatened, however, when he falls in love with a beautiful coed named Christine. Will he remain strong, or will he be weakened by his love for Christine? Mm. I'm going to say real. That is real, sir. That's Dracula in Vegas, directed by Nick Millard. It's <laughs> 1999. Oh, I like the whole premise of a German like vampire, I guess, and stuff. Probably just one of his, you know, it'd be one of Imgard's cousins or something. You, know, you want to be in a film? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I just can't imagine how out of date a German vampire would be. Wouldn't you all be like, hey, y'all, I, I see colour TV is now the rage. The thing is, like, it says young German vampire. Now, is young as in appearance or young as in he's a new vampire? Yeah, we'll have like, to watch the film. <laughs> he's like, I'm a young vampire. I'm 800. Oh, it'd be meant if it was the guy who played Steger, wouldn't it? <laughs> Hello, I'm vampire. I've got to bite you now. <laughs> totally coming it up. Excuse me. <laughs> Don't stab me with a stick, please. <laughs> R.I.P. Steger. God bless you. Well, let's try this one. Let's yeah, eyes. A five-man mining crew dig too deep on a distant moon mm. and unearth an ancient secret. It's a race against time to stop a malevolent force from reaching Earth. And there you go. Very short one. Fake? It certainly is. Come on. There you go. It's, uh, I call that one... Echo One. Nice, I like that. Echo One. Crew. Probably a Scott Bakula in it. Yeah, Scott Bakula and fucking Robert Picardo. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be the, the good old, like, sci-fi horror trope of just, like, a bunch of people on a distant planet. Shit goes wrong. There's some alien involved. Yeah, it's classic shit, man. Classic yeah. jazz. My next one. A group of attractive college kids with lust at the top of their agenda set out on a hayride. They come to rest at a picnic site, unbeknown to them once the setting for barbaric satanic rituals and rumoured cannibalism. By accident, the sinister forces of a bygone era are unleashed and a bloodlusting zombie emerges from its tomb. There you go. True. Real. It's got to be real. I'm right, it is. See, I missed yeah, out. I missed out the last part of it because I thought if I put that in, you'll think it's fake. Because it like? emerges from his tomb and he's peckish. <laughs> he's peckish. It actually says that. Yeah, it? it's because it's from the back of the fucking Vipco box. So they're putting a bit of English on it. Yeah. And I think this is the one I was talking about before we started recording that I had to fucking correct. Because they spelled zombie Zamol. I'm like, what the fuck? How can that slip past quality control? But then I remember it's fucking Vipco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's from uh, Bill Hinsman's rather fun fleshy there from 1988. But I prefer the UK title. You'll know the UK title, Zombie Nosh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Proper English title then. <laughs> thing is, it is, but to us, but is it just not... They might have come on to a Jewish thing as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's weird, isn't it? Oh, but it yeah. just sounds like from... Yeah, fuck, and I might watch this film last night called Zombie Nosh. That's not real, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Just such a jolly thing, isn't it? Yeah. Fucking nosh. Oh, nosh can also mean, you know, nosh. Yeah. <laughs> the sexual nosh. That's a whole different fucking film, that zombie nosh. <laughs> zombie porn, there you go. Fucking hell, say, well, we're a fucking roll here, none of we've got one wrong. Yeah, <laughs> just spot on, yeah. Uh, well, let's see if you get this one then. Okay. A boarding accident runs a young man and woman ashore in a decrepit Spanish fishing town, which they discover is in the grips of an ancient sea god 
and its monstrous half-human offspring. Fake? It's real. Fuck! <laughs> it's the 2001 movie called Dagon. Dagon? D-A-G-O-N? Yes. Oh, fair enough. I didn't know it was about that, though. Mm, yes. Probably a bit of a CD cover, a bit of a Predator thing going on. Mm. Uh, written by H.P. Lovecraft. Ah, yeah. 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 Um, right. When a gang of Colombian drug traffickers crash land in the Amazon, they cross paths with Elliot Beck, a British anthropologist who after a decade... Fuck, sorry. <laughs> after a decade of work, has gained the trust of the most ferocious tribe in the jungle. But when Elliot discovers the gang's true motives and refuses an offer to become their guide, he is brutally murdered. Now the gang must run for their lives. A tribe of vengeful man-eaters hunts them down one by one. Real. Nope. <laughs> I, knew, I, I hope that would get you, because I was like, that sounds fucking awesome. Like, that, sounds, that sounds like a lot of those fucking movies. <laughs> if it was real, it would be called Primitive Savages. Primitive Savages from 1982, a.k.a. Cannibal Ferox 7 in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was banned in the UK uh, due to extreme violence in the same way a man bums a lemur. So there you go. Mm. And obviously, after uh, Jason Smith famously bombed a cat, yeah, and it was blamed. This movie was blamed solely on that act. Yeah, but in Japan, it outgrows Rocky Three, Star Trek Two, and AT. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> classic, classic Japan. <laughs> classic Japan. Latching onto something a bit kooky. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ben Smith is an inpatient at the County Hills Mental Health Unit. Mm. When a nurse dies suddenly, it's not clear if it was suicide or homicide. Mm. Ben's reality starts to unravel, and blood might just be on his hands. Oh my god. There you go, what do you think? Um, that sounds interesting. What's it fake? <laughs> it is indeed. Fucking come on. I've called that movie In a Shattered Mirror. Nice. <laughs> that sounds like something where if you just hear the title, you'd be like, fuck's that about? It sounds fucking <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And that yeah. movie, what was that fucking movie where, like, it is a fucked up movie, but, like, just the title put, like, I couldn't figure out what kind of film it was called. It's just called In a Glass Cage. Mm. And I was, I was like, right, that sounds, I know it's going to be fucked up, but what's it about? And it is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certain titles do draw you to a movie, I guess. Yeah, yeah like our favourite, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. classic. My uh, last one, the last one's there, well, even Stevens again. Mm. Um, coincidental, actually, considering what you just uh, read out. Jonathan and his colleagues are hired to renovate the long-abandoned Sycamore Heights home for the mentally ill. As night falls, they find themselves mysteriously locked inside. As they explore the asylum, hoping to find an exit, they uncover its dark past and realise they are not alone. An old resident still resides here, and he does not like visitors. Hmm. I've got to go with fake. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, isn't, isn't that just a plot to uh, a <laughs> fucking Ken movie with it? <laughs> Yeah, fuck it is, I pretty much. See no evil. Yeah. See, that, that threw me off in my mind because I'm like picturing people with like 80s hairdos and stuff. I'm like, this, nah, it's not the same as something else. <laughs> fucking see no evil. That's <laughs> the plot of see no evil. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. But if it was real. <laughs> <laughs> but if, let's say it was real and not see no evil, it would be just called Lunatic from 1983. Mm. A.K.A. Looney Kickboxer in Germany. <laughs> Looney Kickboxer, yeah. yeah. Totally safe. <laughs> nice. Who would be in it, though? Who would be um, in it? I'm not just, you know, Robin Asquith or someone like that. <laughs> Those confessions Mate. movies. Oh, Michael Berryman. Maybe, yeah. I imagined it's set in London for some reason. Mm. British, gritty British early 80s horror movie. 
you know, you know, Mary Whitehouse wasn't that keen on it and stuff. <coughs> yeah. Someone asked if she'd seen it, she was like, nah. <laughs> well then, let's try this one then. Last one, I guess. Mm. It's Ed and Sarah's first night at their new home. An isolated farmhouse on the Scottish borders. This should be a new beginning away from their stressful London lives, and at first comes sunset, they fall in love all over again. Uh, but as darkness falls, Sarah suspects they're not alone. Ed goes to investigate, and quickly the evening becomes a nightmare. <laughs> I just like your little stutter there, just bless myself, just imagine that was a trailer. And fuck her up sec. Fucking what's his boot again? <laughs> so it's uh, well one, one, one more bit oh, okay sorry, sorry it suddenly dawns on them they do not belong here and they certainly aren't welcome either there you go hmm. right, this is an important one because if I get this right we've tied mm. but how the fuck do we settle that have a fight or something <laughs> <laughs> um fake it is indeed fucking real fuck <laughs> <laughs> I was just to say fucking come on. Uh, it's 2014, The Bloodlands. Fucking fuck you, Bloodlands. <laughs> I could have fucking tied that up. Well, you won again, you bastard. Yeah. Close, though, three to four. Yeah. Close business. That was good. That was fun. Enjoyed that. Yeah, I do like these uh, summaries. They're, they're pretty much impossible <laughs> to tell sometimes. Well, sometimes we know each other well enough we can pick out sometimes. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Now I'm going to make that fucking cannibal movie one day. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess with that out the way, yes. shall we talk about Freddie and Jason? Yeah, let's let's. We've talked about rubbish films. Let's talk about an awesome film now. A mint film. It's proper mm. cush. So have a nosh, and we're going to talk about Freddie versus Jason. Warn you, Freddie. the idea has been around since like the early to mid 80s when both films were at their peak and stuff I think there's like a scan, I think it might be on one of the documentaries but there's a scan from an old Fangoria floating around where a fan writes in and suggests an idea of Freddy fighting Jason in a movie so, and that was yeah. probably like 85, 86 so fuck it's been around a long time and it didn't come out what, what was it, 2003? 2003 yeah. yeah. And the original idea for Friday 137 was to have Jason battle Freddy mm. but because they couldn't reach a deal because with them being opened by two separate studios they changed it to basically what was Jason versus Carrie. Yeah. You can remember that movie. Yeah definitely. But eventually New Line acquires the rights to Jason things start to get moving they set up the movie with the end and the Jason goes to hell which is one of the only good moments in that fucking piece of shit. Mm. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, numerous scripts written and rejected. Rob Bottin wrote one and was going to direct. David Shaw wrote one, who coincidentally also wrote The Crow. And the one I read back was was Brandon Braga and Ronald D. Moore's 
were reading that mm-hmm. one back before it was made and stuff. And they were they were primarily Star Trek writers, weren't they? Yeah, like Star Trek, but like often credited would have been like the people that ruined Star Trek as well. So, well, that's the thing. It's like that script that they wrote, the Freddy vs. Jason script. I really liked, mm. but it's weird because if the, if I hadn't read it and that was the film that would have got made, I would have hated. It. Yeah, but it just as a script, I thought it's quite interesting. Like because it wasn't. Freddy versus Jason. It was like Freddy in this universe is real, yeah. But the J- the Friday Thirteenth movies exist and are based on a real serial killer called Jason. Mm. It was then caught, and you find out that I think the go the whole Freddy was responsible for Jason's abuse as a kid and stuff. Yeah. So it was a weird left field take, and it was like scenes of like Jason in a courtroom and stuff, and it was really mm. bizarre. But it was as a script, it was fun to read as a story. But I imagine if it was a film, everyone would have been like, "This is fucking shit." Yeah. yeah. But then we get to 2003 with uh, Mr. Damien Chan and Mark Swift's script. And I've given them so much shit over the years for some of the things in this movie. But after seeing the Crystal Lake Memories documentary, they're like, oh, by the way, you know, Jason being afraid of water. Fuck, that's not us. That wasn't fucking mm-hmm. our idea. You can get, like, there's a lot of, like, studio interference with this movie, probably. There's a few other things they mentioned as well that had nothing to do with them. And I was like, well, all right, I'll get you a pass. Because mo- a lot of the shit they mentioned is the shit I hate in the film. Um, yeah. Hong Kong director Ronnie Yu did bright white hair. And we're going to do, uh, was it Brighter Chucky? I think. Yeah. Yeah, we'd hide behind a direct. And the biggest controversy came, of course, when New Line decided, you know what, Kane Hodder, you know, you're a total fan favourite. Nah. Not gonna yeah, pass. fuck it. Get, <laughs> you're not in this. Get to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, they uh, hired Ken Kersinger, a fellow stuntman, who also did a bit of work on Friday the 13th Part 8. Hmm. Uh, essentially, the reason was because he was taller. And uh, for Robert Englund and Kane Hodder were almost the same height, so he wanted someone to tower over Freddy. Yeah. And some bollocks about him having... He wanted someone with uh, emotional eyes. I'm like, <laughs> looks boss-eyed through the whole movie. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose I get it. I get the height thing. Yeah, I guess. But you could have just filmed it in a certain way, right? Exactly. And still use Kane Hodder. Fuck it. You could have just like put him on a box. Christ. And it's what they do in most uh, Tom Cruise movies, right? <laughs> you got him on a fucking stepladder in that, man. <laughs> I mean, at the time I was disappointed. But as, as much as I enjoy Kane Hodder's Jason, these days anyway, I prefer the earlier, like, first... Like two, three, four. Yeah. Just like the earlier Jasons. But put Kane Hodder in this movie, it's just not going to make a difference. Still, mm. still shit. Well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Maybe he dodged a bullet. Yeah. So Freddy vs. Jason was eventually released August 15th, 2003, my 21st birthday. Cheers. <laughs> 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 Directed by Ronnie Yu, starring Robert Englund, Ken Kersinger, Monica Keener, Kelly Rowland, Jason Redd, and Catherine Isabel. I was going to say, what's the plot, but what's the point? It's Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, I mean, uh, to sum it up very quickly, I would say an impotent Freddy Krueger has to turn to uh, Jason Voorhees to murder people on Elm Street with the sort of idea that everyone will think, oh, shit, Freddy's back. They'll start to fear Freddy and remember Freddy, thus giving him his power. Mm. That's pretty much it, really. And, you know, tits and stuff. Tits and stuff. Tits, Tits and weed. (laughs) <laughs> I'm disappointed in you, Jason. You disobeyed me. You were supposed to come back home, just kill a few of them. But I blame myself. I should have known you wouldn't be able to stop killing. You are like a big super dog who can't stop eating. Even though your master said you had enough. Time to put this bad dog to sleep. For good! Ha! 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 
Um, I've said before, I mean, I try not to get worked up about shit I don't like anymore because, you know, I'm old and I haven't got the energy and shit, but I've never really given myself a chance to, like, properly rant about... I've never reviewed Freddy vs. Jason on a podcast before. Mm. So, okay, this is going to be my opportunity to, like, clear it, get it out of my system. <laughs> Everything that you dislike about the film. Pretty much. So, apologies in advance if this is less a discussion and me just going, fucking, you know, what's wrong with this film? <laughs> but let's start, let's not start out like a bunch of twats. Let's start with some positives. I've got some positives, sir. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, the film opens on a positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, opening musical sting. The New Line uh, logo flashes by, and then you've got the Freddy Krueger dream sequence music. Yeah. Ding, 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 or whatever. And you then, think, oh, no, yeah, and you think, oh, we're in for something special here. Yeah, when I first, when I first saw this, I was like, fucking, here we go. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, my main positive to start with is the film was actually fucking made. Like, that's still amazing to me. After all the fucking roadblocks, 20 yeah. years and shit, piles of scripts and all that stuff, it's amazing it got made at all. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And another positive, despite the fact it almost made 115 million, there wasn't a wave of versus movies in an attempt to cash in. That if this had been made now... That's what we'd see for the next five years. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, it wasn't really Alien vs. Predator. That came way later, didn't it, really? Um, I it? think it was the year, be- was the year before. Was it? Fuck. I don't know. I, fuck, honestly, I don't know. I always seem to remember this came out earlier, but yeah, I suppose. Maybe it did. Maybe it did. I can't remember. It was around, around about the same time. But yeah, that yeah. was pretty much it, wasn't it? Yeah. But no one... But like, those were two things that had been around for years, but... Well, yeah, that that was the thing. They were the two verses that everyone was always waiting for. Yeah. I mean, I suppose the only other verses that never happened was, like, Robocop versus Terminator. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. 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 I mean, the only fucking thing that I wish they'd put in this film, like, as far as, like, introducing other characters, was the proposed ending in one of the scripts, and I think they might have been... had the idea to do it for this one, was it was going to end with them in hell about to fight again and then hooks come out pull them apart then Pinhead steps out from the darkness and says now gentlemen what seems to be the problem and I was like that would have been fucking amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> tying all the horror together yeah. yeah just for a bit of nice fan service it would have just been such a great fucking like one two punch at the end where you're like oh that was pretty good fucking hell there's Pinhead mm. but don't yeah. don't then not make a sequel with Pinhead in because that would be too much <laughs> yeah <laughs> just as an ending that would have been enough yeah. But whenever Freddy and Jason are on screen together, that's still pretty fun. I mean, it's just fucking still a bit surreal to see them in the same movie. Mm. I never really got over that. You know, there's Freddy and there's Jason. Yeah, like, there's a few scenes where you think, if you could show this scene to somebody, like, you know, 20 years before the film come out, or, well, 10 years, or whatever, be, the, the minds would be blown. It'd be fucking scanners, that's what it would be. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Because, <laughs> you know, it was something everyone would want ever since, like, you know, the whole glove coming out the ground and grabbing yep. Jason's mask and stuff. I mean, I do like the first fight they have with the um, red when Freddy's getting the upper hand. Yeah. Then it goes green when Jason yeah. gets the upper hand. That's a nice touch. I don't know. It's really bizarre and random, but it's a nice touch. And then, you know, Freddy turns Jason into a fucking pinball. And, oh. Yeah, and it kind of, like, lingers on that for a bit. <laughs> And then Jason becomes a fucking fanny when the roof starts leaking and stuff, but we'll get to that shit later. Mm. <laughs> and the final fight when Freddy realises Jason's there and he turns around like, fuck. <laughs> Quite like that bit as well. yeah. And then the metal kicks in and Jason's like, fucking come on. Yeah, and they just have a good old punch up. Yeah, it's when he grabs him, like he's just spilt his pint, like rams him through all the fucking windows. I love that one. <laughs> uh, third positive, the Hypnosil and Western Hills Hospital tying it into Dream Warriors is cool. 
Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. But with the, that's one of the very few links to the other movies, though. That's mm. one of your main problems with it, as we'll get to. I mean, another, it's not really a high point of the film, but I thought I'd mention anyway. The trailer's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, fed is. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's serious. Every now and then I'll just watch that trailer and remember how hyped I was for this film, and it makes us want to watch the film, and then I've got to go, no. <laughs> oh, there's definitely, like, I mean, there's some, there are some positives, definitely. Like, to be honest, I like the idea of, I like the idea of Freddy having to, like, get himself empowered again by making people fear him so he's like he's using jason you yeah. know like like in terms of like he needs him to go kill people so people think it's freddy in order to give freddy some power yeah i like that angle and i, I like yeah you know and i like the fact that the town had like covered it all up mm. in order to like you know stomp them out but then the kids like wrongly seek out the truth yeah and thinking you know yeah, yeah, like totally fucking it up. Like if they hadn't, if they'd just left it alone, the film would have never happened. <laughs> sort yeah, of thing. pretty much. Yeah, um, and I like some of the like Freddyisms in this movie. Like I like the bit when he's like, "How sweet dark meat and yeah, stuff." There's a, few, there's a very few moments in this where I'm, I like Freddy most of the time. It's yeah, like, fuck off, Freddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just a few lines where you're like, "Oh, that's kind of cool" because mm. it was more like old school Freddy. Yeah. Where, like, they're a bit edgy with some of the things that he says. But generally speaking, it's kind of a shitty Freddy portrayal, really. It's just comedy Freddy, like, fucking, yeah. to the nth fucking degree. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But there's one shot in the film. It's, well, there's two, really. There's, you know, the moment when he sticks the claw in Jason's, like, little Jason's head. Yeah. And you get that moment inside Jason's head where he's walking along and it's all fucking thunder and lightning and shit. Yeah. I would love a fucking Jason movie shot like that. Mm. Looks so good. Yeah. In the final shot when he comes out the lake holding Freddy's head, that's probably the best Jason's ever looked. Yeah. With those yeah. fucking tribal drums and stuff, which is also the score to this, Graham Ravel, who also did The Crow. Everything's linking in. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> it's a great moment, think, until Freddy winks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, like, fuck. Uh, what are they even setting up there? But have you seen the alternate ending? Uh, no, I don't think so. It's like the Will and the Monica Kina character fucking necking on in bed. They kind of finally have a shack. Mm. And then he just sprouts Freddy's clothes and then ends. <laughs> So it's like, what? <laughs> Classic random Freddy ending, I guess. And the last positive, Monica Keener is hot. There you go. She has a very tight sweater on most of the movie. And boobs. like, yeah, and like, basically every time she's on camera, your attention is drawn to her boobs. Yeah. She's <laughs> very nice. Yes. Uh, the negatives. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's the positives. Oh, my God. Because it's New Line and Freddy's the band, it's not really... Freddy versus Jason. It's Nightmare on Elm Street featuring Jason. That's what always pisses yeah. off about it. If you're an Elm Street fan, that's great. If you're a Freddy 13 fan, it's a bit shit. Well, even still, I think it's like, it's a bad Nightmare on Elm Street film. I think it would have been a better Jason film with Freddy Krueger in. Yeah. Basically. Uh-huh. I've always sort of thought that about this film. Instead, it's a Freddy movie with Jason in it. Yeah. So, and for that, it kind of suffers, weirdly. Yeah. It just, it really does. I think there would have been better focusing in on Jason and have Freddy Krueger in the background as being, like, the string puller and stuff. Yeah. And then a big showdown at the end. But because, like, it took so long, like, apart from the end of Jason Goes to Hell, mm. like, they don't really set the film, they set the film up in, like, two minutes, just so we get, we just get some fucking lame shot of Freddy tricking Jason into, A, coming back to life. How the fuck? I know, yeah. I'm, I'm not expecting fucking... Shakespeare, but you know what I mean? It's just like, wake up, man, yeah, can't Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, like, isn't he supposed to affect the, the dreams of the living? Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's <laughs> fucking did. <laughs> I mean, I get it, part because they don't want to get too bogged down in a setup, they just want to get out of the action, but come on, man. Yeah. 
It's one of the moments that reminds us not geared towards the fans of the series. It's just, which is fair enough. They've got to just appeal to the biggest possible audience. Mm. But it's just after all, like all the years waiting, you're just like, when it starts, you're like, is that it? Mm. Jason, wake up, go to Elm Street. I mean, I like the idea. I just don't like the setup. Well, I suppose, like, kind of like a sort of plot hole is he, he, he like says at the start of the film, like, oh, I found this guy who's going to help us. Mm. Couldn't he have just like done that to anyone? Like, at all. Yeah. Couldn't he have just, like, gone into the dreams of anybody ever and been like, oh, go on Elm Street and murder people and make everyone paranoid as fuck? Because, like, the whole town was already paranoid about Jason, about Freddy anyway. Yeah. So, like, any deaths that ha- happened in that town would have instantly been attributed to Freddy, surely. <laughs> so. I guess, though, he tried that with Freddy, too, and that went tits up, didn't it? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> Apparently, though, they asked Betsy Palmer to come back to play Mrs. Voorhees. Oh, yeah. Just tell me the fuck off. <laughs> she's like, no, because it was fucking stupid. Yeah. She's on the Chris Lee memory. She's like, quoting the scripture. She's saying, I was just like, ah, special. It's just so fucking blunt. I love Betty Paul. <laughs> uh, Jason being afraid of water. Stupidest fucking retcon ever. Mm. Considering the amount of times in all the movies where Jason has killed or attempted to kill people when they're in the fucking lake, the lake he drowned in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's weird because, like, it's kind of a fascinating idea. There's a bit in the movie when it's like, oh, Jason died via water and Freddy died via fire. Yeah. And it's kind of like an interesting idea. Yeah, but the way she says it's terrible. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, like, the concept is like, oh, it could have gone somewhere. Yeah. But they kind of never use it. And, like you said, it's retconned as fuck because. It's only there to fit in with the idea they had. Yeah, yeah, like there's loads of scenes throughout the entire Jason series where he's like in water and stuff, yeah, coming like, out of water. And that. Like imagine if all of a sudden Freddy was suddenly frightened of sharp things just because Jason had a machete. Yeah. He'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, no, hey, that's when, not going to happen. Hey, whenever I watch Final Chapter now, you know that scene where Jason like grabs the guy's fucking head in the shower and just crushes it against the wall. Imagine like now, like Jason's waiting outside for five minutes, going, I might get wet. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be quick. Uh, Freddy... Uh, in the build-up of the hype, all the fucking production and shit were oh, seriously, man, fuck, telling you, man. Freddie, he's been funny for 40, he's can't be well talking this, man. Yeah. You've never seen now like this. Remember in the early Elm Street movies where Freddie turned into a worm demon and smoked weed and <laughs> said tilt while playing pinball with the fucking cops? Well, that's it. This film is like, it's Freddie versus Jason based on the sequels. Yeah. It should have been Freddy, like, Freddy 2, you know what I mean? Something like yeah, yeah, they should have watched... Nightmare on Street 1 and 2 and stop there and being like let's make a movie based on those two films yeah, but they never and that, that you know that it's just what yeah. Freddy's evolved into that's Freddy now yeah just all like hey kids yeah. I mean this is what you saying there is some alright Freddy moments like, like the fucking bit where he goes she goes to Crystal Lake and I dream and he jumps out the water and stuff yeah that's a nice moment I don't quite understand his alternate makeup though yeah, he kind of goes more demonic. For I like it. fucking Super Saiyan Freddy or some shit. <laughs> Super fucking Treader. Yeah. Like <laughs> and there's that one dark light actually where he's got Laurie on the floor and he goes the first time tends to get a little messy. That was fucked up. That's old school Freddy that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, There's like some proper choice Freddy moments in this movie yeah. which are kind of weird. But then also there's we watching this movie recently like there's some bits where like the makeup looks shit. Yeah. Really it looks, like it looks like a mask. Yeah, like, he, he just, it, it's, yeah, like, dry and rubbery looking. Yeah, and you're like, that's weird. That's what's weird, isn't it, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you watch, like, a movie from, like, the 90s or something, like, any of the Freddy sequels, and it never really has that look. No. 
So, like, how have they made a movie in 2003 and, ma- and managed to make the makeup look shit? If you notice, like, the, the more the sequels go on, the less they use, like, the wet look for Freddy. Yeah. It always looks, yeah. like, slimy and shiny and shit in the early yeah. ones. And that always covers up a lot of, like, latex, like, soft mm. look and stuff. But in this, you just look at the end. A lot of them, it looks like a mask. Yeah. yeah very strange. There's one bit that genuinely makes us laugh, because it's kind of like Dream Warriors-esque comedy Freddy when... She's like shouting at the counselors, aren't you going to do anything? When he's just, mm. <laughs> he turned around and he's like, Freddy's neck and arm was some dead bird. He's going, it's not oh, my yeah. fault, this bitch is dead on her feet. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. arm around. She says like, I can't believe you're not going to come. Yeah. Or yeah. And he turns around and says, no, not my fault, this bitch is dead on her feet. <laughs> yeah, that's like, arm and laughing. It's genius. Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's kind of like, Freddy dark as fuck, but a little bit like dark humour. Yeah, like the humour's like, the joke is fucking horrible. Cause she's yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, yeah. It's good, funny Freddy. Yeah. The, fuck, the pinball bit always annoys the fuck out of me because it's Jason you know what I mean? yeah and it just comes out of nowhere and also it could have been funny if it just was very quick Yeah, but it kind of lingers too much on the point and then when he says tilt it's like the oh. full stop on a shit joke yeah, like, the tilt oh, I always just go fuck off <laughs> like I can't, it's like it's like involuntary every time I watch the film it's cool. yeah. like it's fucked mm. up because you know the bit where he's got the fucking big barrel on him and he just goes over and goes why won't you die yeah. Like that line used in the trailer just made me go, oh, fuck me, it's going to be great. <laughs> none, of the comedy, light, yeah. none of the comedy was in the trailer. No. Just showed them battering each other and he just shouted, why won't you die? And I was like, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I should never trust the trailer. I know. <laughs> uh, the Freebird character, what the fuck? Why not just cast Jason Mewes? Yeah, he pretty, I mean, I wonder, was that like a direct fucking Mallrats thing? It had to be. Like, did somebody watch Mallrats and was like, yeah, let's do that? So blatant, it's supposed to be Jay. <laughs> like the long blonde hair, the little hat, the, the like baggy clothes, yeah. It's exactly the same. Yeah, very strange. And I, I remember just first watching, honestly, it like back in 2003, it stood the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a funny moment in like, never, you see, they never sleep again of the Crystal Lake Memories Dark, where it's, I can't remember who it is. I think it's actually Jason Mewes sitting down going, yeah, I mean, when I was offered the... Ro- Wait a minute, I'm not in this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's either that, or maybe both, or it's the actor playing Freebird going, yeah, man, when I was casting Clerks. I mean, shit like yeah. that, just taking the piss. So that's obviously, I'm fucking well aware of how stupid it is. Yeah. But, you know, the writers just seemed a bit obsessed with weed. It's like, they wrote the Friday 13th remake as well. Mm. And the primary fucking setup of that film is teens go into the woods because there's a big crop of weed growing out there. Like, Aye, that's right, like, yeah. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Not all teens are obsessed with fucking weed. Yeah, I mean, these these representation of teens is pretty grim as well. Anyway, all the guys are all like, you brah, this stuff. <laughs> and fucking the, the girls are all like, you just want to find a good guy to shag you yeah. and stuff. I must admit that I do <laughs> fucking love that character. Trey, I think he's called. The guy who gets snapped in the bed. Oh yeah, right. I just love how because it's like almost comically written to be that twatty. (laughs) He's just a massive cunt. (laughs) Hey, what I'm talking about? Kiss me after you smoke, babe, and all this stuff. You're like, oh, you dick! I can't wait for you to die. Yeah, like you know he's going to die first, really. Just that sex. He's like, I told you I don't like to be touched afterwards. (laughs) What a dick! Like he's trying hard to be a twat. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the the fucking next point, uh, the spoon-fed exposition. I mean, the story's so simple. Yeah, the dialogue spoon feeds, they just spoon feed the audience. You'd think it was like, someone was like, nah, this is too complex, but I just made them fucking explain everything really unnaturally, like the 12. Well, I mean, the, I mean, the start, the, the movie opens with that shit, doesn't it? I suppose. They were like, Freddy Krueger is a bad, bad man. <laughs> stuff. I used to be a pedo. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, 
All right. Surely everyone sat in the audience knows who Freddy is at this point. Surely. Do they need to, like, explain it to fuck? Yeah, the two worst bits is the bit where the guy's having the nightmare about his brother who committed suicide. Mm. And he literally just sits up with the bath and goes, Yeah, man, I needed fucking Jason to come back and kill all the bits. So I didn't remember who Freddy was and that. Everyone got it, Jamie. <laughs> so here's the plot. I remind you again about two minutes. <laughs> and literally two scenes later, Will explains the exact same thing again around the table. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. And you get her going, Freddy died by fire, Jason by water. How come I use that? Mm, but then they never do, though, as well. Which is kind of, I mean, they kind of do. Camp Crystal Lake and all the rest at the end. But they never, like, hone in on this, no. which is weird. Yeah, it's the writers thing and the clever going, oh, fucking hell, we've never realised this before, but Jason was drowned and Freddy was burnt. <gasps> we're not. <laughs> and they're like, should we use that? Oh, we're not that good at writing. <laughs> Fuck it. Forget about it. <laughs> at the, the moment where, like, Freddy jumps out of the water I was on about before, mm. like, that's another bit where I'm just like, what are you doing? She'll see Jason in the water. Mm. She goes, Jason! Jason, voice! I'm like, ah, oh, I. What else is going to be? It's a deformed little kid in a lake. Why is he his full name? And then she freaks out. I guess the audience is like, oh, is that, is that Jason Donovan? <laughs> it's a smugly Jason kid. I don't know. Which kid is it? Which Jason is it? <laughs> I said, I don't demand high art and a plot from slasher movies. And I'm probably being more harsh than this because of how long I was looking forward to it and shit. But mm. fucking hell, man. Yeah, I don't know. Just, it goes places like... <coughs> I don't know, every everyone in the movie is a twat as well. Like that I forgot would, how much would, I dislike. I wouldn't say that. I don't know, like I mean all right, that Monica Keenan's like alright. Mm. But pretty much everyone else. Like, I, like uh, the, I like the Lindbergh character, or as I call him, young John Cusack. <laughs> the the dweeb guy. Yeah. yeah, I suppose. Not too bad. I don't know, I just think like most of the main characters you kinda of root you root to you root for to die. And like I guess that's like a typical slasher thing, but I think a better slasher movie is where you like regret the characters dying, oh, yeah. and like they didn't even try to do that. You just like most of them. I don't know. Like, everyone dies, and you just don't care. Yeah, I mean, I said I quite, I quite feel a bit bad when that Lindbergh character dies. He literally just like bleeds to death on his own by a tree. You know, I was like, I was like, ah, oh, fucking <laughs> that, John Cusack. Yeah. That is kind of underplayed. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that cop guy that just gets his like face smashed into like a fucking uh, like a whatever computer station or something. Yeah, yeah, like recruits him, doesn't he? Because he's getting like, yeah. recruited with his machete and he just grabs onto him and he's like, <laughs> yeah, just like totally dies like a throwaway death. Yeah. Yeah. Freeberg's death is quite good though, and he's possessed by Freddy, and then he just fucking mm. lobs him in half with the waist. <laughs> no, yeah, that's more like classic Jason, really, isn't it? Like yeah. really nasty and quick. Yeah. Still a fucking awesome effect as well. It looks mental. So mm. torso just flops on the ground and shit. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, the fight up it's terrible. Where Freddy's like a weed fucking worm and shit. It's just yeah. fucking stupid, man. It's like pointless. I guess it's kind of like is it getting that like um, uh, Alice in Wonderland? I guess. Yeah, some shit. I yeah, something like that. Yeah, because I never really thought about it. Watching it again, I was like, oh, I guess it's doing like an Alice in Wonderland. Thing. I know someone would probably say, uh, fucking hundred percent. What about the bit where Freddy turns into a giant fucking worm and dream warriors? I'm like, hi, that's like in a dream and it's fucked up because he's a giant fucking worm trying to eat someone. He's not smoking weed with Jay. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. I'm not gonna do it. I won't do it! No! I won't do it. I'll 
that message myself, won't I? The main problem with it is lack of fan service. Yeah, true. The hypnosil thing aside, there's not really many moments where you go, oh, that character, oh, they've mentioned that name, or that was a nice callback. Yeah. I mean, the, the movie, I, the idea itself is like the ultimate fucking horror fan's wet dream. Like, cater, yeah. cater to them, for fuck's sake. And it didn't have to be stuff that would make people go, eh. Like, you mm. know, we talked about Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Mortal Kombat, they're mentioning names and shit, and you're going, oh, that's pretty cool. But anyone yeah. who didn't know wouldn't be lost by it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They're not, like, diverting the plot for it. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the bit at the start where he's in his purgatory or whatever. Yeah. And that all the people are morphing on the tree, going, oh, we shouldn't have been blah, 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 and all that. Mm. Perfect opportunity for them to just have actual victims from the Friday the 13th movies. Not the same actors, just people done up to look, like, recognised. We could have Shelley there. Mm. The guy with yeah. the cleaver in his face. The doctor with his head spun round. Like, shit, you'd be going, oh, that's from part four. But no, just random fuckheads. Yeah, yeah. In a perfect world, this would have been made in, like, 1987 with, like, characters from each franchise that were still going at the time. But Well, I've said that before as well. Like, the movie was probably made at the wrong time, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, it should have been made, like, ten years earlier or ten years later. Yeah. And it might have stood a chance of being good. But, uh, early 2000s was a bad time for shit like this. I mean, there is another... They've been put, keep putting it back, but there is another Friday the 13th movie coming out next year, I think. Mm. Uh, but I'm not sure what it is I th- it's, they're saying it's this fucking origin story but I don't know if it's a prequel to the remake or a fresh reboot because it's weird they never made a sequel to that remake because it did quite well yeah, yeah. and the Elm-, Elm Street is obviously never getting a sequel to that remake because everyone hated that shit yeah it died a death didn't it quite quickly yeah. Yeah. so I, I say it, seriously just remake Freddy vs Jason in the original timeline I'd, mm. I'd fucking welcome that seriously but they won't because they consider this a success when it's not Mm. To me, yeah, not in the eyes of the fans, no. anyway. Yeah, some people love it though. Okay. <laughs> do they? Yeah, some people do. God, uh, one little thing, little tidbit. Uh, did you know? I always forget about this until I watch the film and go, "Oh, I, you notice uh, Evangeline Lilly from Lost in the background as one of, as an extra." Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, she's in. A, she's in a flashback or something. No, she's in the school when the guy comes up and he starts saying, "One, two, Freddy's coming for you." Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, for a bit I watched that, that scene and I, I forgot to double-check it, but I was thinking, oh, who's that in the background? Yeah, Kate from yeah. Lost. Check it yeah. <laughs> so, any more bits you want to mention? Because that's all my notes. I managed to skim through them without whining too much, I hope. Um, but, uh, yeah, I haven't really written a lot. I mean, I, I wrote, like, everyone has jumpers and boobs in this movie, pretty oh, much. Right. <laughs> um, awful bit when, like... The uh, guy's dad head gets like well he like he, he wakes up and then turns to him and like shakes his dad his head yeah, flies off the blood sprays everywhere actually that's um, another slight callback the mm. random goat he sees in the screen in the street is like the very start of Nightmare on the Street yeah yeah random fucking thing to reference though no definitely I I did actually to be honest I did like the rave bit when Jason just guns mental yeah that is pretty cool <laughs> and just batters them all I, I hate the bit before it like when them two fuckheads are like look at this fucking dick man it's like eight foot you yeah. you'd be just like bye and walk away I don't care if you're fucking drunk you wouldn't be like damn fuck a pig or whatever the fuck he says yeah, and then he like, fucking breaks his neck, splits, like, turns his head around. Yeah. yeah. Sets him on fire, but make sure to stick around so he can shout, burn motherfucker, yeah. Mm. Yeah, like, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, a lot of visual stuff going on. I liked how, like, Jason's walking along through a cornfield on fire and the stuff. The trail, that's good. I think, like, the stunt yeah. guy won an award for that. I think it was some record for Ben. Really? Like, Benston, yeah. 
which wouldn't uh, surprise us because I love the bit the way hits the keg of beer and puts himself out. That's a pretty cool show. Well, that's it, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the whole thing. He, he throws, the, like, the burning fucking machete, like, at the guy running away. Mm-hmm. thought that was quite a, a nice idea. And, yeah, and then he, like, slashes some guy and the, the, the beer puts him out and he turns around slowly. I yeah. thought, like, quite, quite a choice bit. Yeah. And, yeah, and then he's just going around just... It's kind of like the bit that we love in Freddy, uh, uh, Freddy 2 when he's, like, just kicking the fuck out of all the kids. <laughs> Kicking the fuck out of them. <laughs> just like, come on! Fuck Jason Scarborough, kicking fuck all the people. <laughs> well, that's it. So, yeah, I totally love that bit, basically. It just lambs to a slaughter. Again, though, it does go quite dark when that, that punk guy finds the, uh, the smoking girl. And he's like, oh, great rip. <laughs> Rebby, well. uh, but then Jason just fucking skewers him and chucks him away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like to think the back of mind he's helping her out, but he's not because he stabs her in already. Well, so yeah, <laughs> kills them both. Yeah. But overall, uh, I just think it treats the audience like they're too stupid, which is kind of insulting. Like you yeah. just need to be this dumb and spoon fed. It's way too camp, I think, as well. It's got an element of campiness to it, like it's too light in part. Yeah, I've said that literally today. At one point, I was talking to Stacey about it. Like, for all it goes in, in some dark places, it's a very light movie. Yeah. And it treats the subject matter lightly. It's very, like, like I said, a, a sequel to the, the, the more lighter uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. Uh, too much humour. They should have watched the first Nightmare on Elm Street film. And watch like you know the first like one or two like uh, Nightmare, uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies, mm. the first two movies in both franchises basically, yeah. and then being like, hmm, okay, hmm, how can we follow these up? But instead, I assume they watched like the last two movies of both franchises, yeah. and then we're like, haha, they're fun movies. Let's make a fun movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you imagine how fucking awesome and like dark it would be if like say nineteen eighty five. They did Freddy vs. Jason. So you got Freddy from Freddy Freddy's Revenge and Jason yeah. from Part 4. That would have yeah. been amazing. Yeah, yeah definitely. But nah. <laughs> nah. like, nah, we don't want to make money. Fuck off. <laughs> I hear that shit. When, like, you could, if two studios just got together and went, how can we do this? Instead, they're like, no, this is mine. That's yours. Go away. Mm. Until eventually one of them buys the other one out. Yeah, basically. Yeah, overall, it's just a wasted opportunity. That's all I've really got to say. Yeah, yeah. Just like a lot of films like this, really, that callback. I mean, I, I said that recently about that Ghostbusters movie. Like, I don't understand. Why Why do, do people not want to make money anymore? Yeah. Like, they could have just made a Ghostbusters movie that, like, was like, oh, let's... What made those movies cool? And let's play to that mm. and show the fans what they want. But instead, they were, like, sat around a table going, oh, let's do something totally different. Mm-hmm. And with Freddy, it's like, Freddy and Jason, they're like, oh, what made Freddy and Jason movies good? Well, let's not use that, though. Let's do something, di- like, our own, I don't know, like, did they just have their own thing in mind? And they just wanted to make their own movie? But they just slapped on Freddy and Jason. Yeah. Yeah. It just amazes me that, like, all the years of everything, all the fucking development hell went through, and that's the end result. Mm. You know what I mean? You'd think after all that work, that we've got, got rid of all the fucking chuff that they didn't like, and... Just come out with something that's just dead fucking stupid. Yeah. Fuck it. I guess it's basically just the result of, I don't know, films that you wish would happen. Sometimes it's better that they don't happen. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Thank God they never made a Robocop versus Terminator. Oh, yeah, fuck knows what that would have been like. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And, like, and then again, Alien vs. Predator. Yeah. Same again. Yeah. Film that where everyone wanted. Yep. And look how that turned out. Yeah. Although you fucking love it. So. Fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> to be 
honest, I may watch it again soon and be like, is it shit? I may have just <laughs> be in a weird mood that day. <laughs> I genuinely can't remember a thing about it. Fucking coked off your tits or something. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm grinding my teeth in that. <laughs> Ringing you up at three in the morning. You're like, what are you doing? So I tell you, I'm going to invest in Pratt. Oh, it was class, man. <laughs> like, you see that bit where Ripley came back and you're like, no? <laughs> and Danny Glover turned up and killed him out. <laughs> and fucking Shredder was there with the samurai sword. Yeah, cut off his fingers and <laughs> found a <little> volcano. <laughs> <laughs> Right, time to talk about the burning Blu-ray from Arrow Video. Just me for this bit, as it's obviously being recorded a little bit later, because I still need a time to go through all the extras and all that jazz when we're recording this episode. So, uh, as for the film, it came out in 1981, directed by British director Tony Malum, and uh, the first film, technically, from Miramax. I don't think they weren't called Miramax at the time, but it's by Bob and Harvey Weinstein producing. Uh, tells the story of a group of camp counsellors who are picked off one by one by Cropsy, the old camp caretaker who was the victim of a prank gone wrong. He got set on fire, basically, resulting in him being in a burn unit for many years. Uh, obviously, it's a Friday the 13th cash-in, but uh, it's a very good one. Um, it's one of my favourite slasher movies, and uh, this is coming from a Friday the 13th, a hardcore Friday the 13th fan, far better than a lot of... Uh, the Friday 13 sequels. Uh, it's quite a bit nastier than like the early Friday 13 movies, specifically the, you know, the film's most infamous scene, the Raft Massacre, which still it still packs a punch. Not really in like how flat out in your face gory it is. I mean it is gory, but it's just like how relentless it's like over in about twenty seconds, but five people die in twenty seconds, and it's I don't know, it's just the, the way it's edited, the music, especially Rick Wakeman's fucking awesome score, it's just a brutal and uh, disturbing scene. Of course, it's scenes like that that got it banned over here in the early 80s during the whole Video Nasties debacle, outbreak, if you will. But it was finally released and cut over here in um, the early 2000s, I think, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, other notable mentions, I think it was one of the first slasher films of that period to feature a final boy instead of the usual final girl, which kind of sets it apart from uh, the other Friday the 13th clones of the time. Now, you got Tom Savini at his peak, uh, handling the effects. He passed on Friday the 13th Part 2 to work on the burning, and it's weird when you look at those two films back-to-back, because I think they were both being filmed at exactly the same time, but both films have a scene that is exactly the same, where they're sitting around the campfire, one's telling a story about Cropsy, obviously one's telling a story about Jason, and another camper pops out dressed as the, the killer to scare the other campers in a little prank. It's really weird... Uh, parallel uh, but as for the I was saying about the score you've got Rick Wakeman from uh, Yes Fame with his great electronic score and if you enjoy the score and you've never heard the actual soundtrack like the released soundtrack it's well worth seeking it out I don't know if it's on the reissue but the original release of the soundtrack side one I think side A is the score from the film and side B is Rick Wa- Rick Wakeman's uh, sort of different arrangements more as more his style at the time like more prog rock and it's fucking there's some great stuff on there if you're a fan of prog rock and yes and stuff like that and of course you got like a young holly hunter appears briefly in the background i think it was her first ever role uh jason alexander of seinfeld fame with hair and he's uh you know he, sta- he does stand out in the film as someone 
you know, you, I mean, it's easy to say that now with hindsight, but I think even probably the time people would say he was probably going to go on to bet bigger and better things. And I always like to imagine he is playing George, and he just changed his name later, and he's suffered from some sort of amnesia psychosis, and that's why he's all neurotic and fucked up in Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, the movie itself on the Blu-ray looks fantastic, sharp, colourful, bit of, um, you know, there's a little bit now and then of... You know, bit of bit of bit of uh, dirt and green, but fucking, I like that shit, man. Don't don't wax the shit out of old films, especially old horror films and stuff, because you want to see that stuff. It just adds to the atmosphere, if you will. If you're in the UK and you never upgraded to the MGM release and made do with your cut Vipco DVD and stuff, this will seem like a huge breath of fresh air. I mean, it, lo- it does look better than the MGM one, but compared to the Vipco one, Jesus, it looks like a brand new movie. Uh, let's get into the extras. Uh, you got an audio commentary with director Tony Malum and uh, good old Alan Jones, uh, which is a great commentary. It was also on the old uh, MGM release from uh, 2007. You got an audio commentary with stars Shirley Bruce and Bonnie Dorosky, which is quite a fun uh, light-hearted comedy with lots of good uh, behind-the-scenes info. I mean, the characters they play in the film are pretty much background characters, but don't let that put you off because there's still, there's still quite a lot of fun stories in there and it's, it's quite an engaging commentary you got Blood and Fire Memories which is originally on the MGM release uh, again 20, about 20 minutes long a nice little retrospective Slash and Cut an interview with uh, the film's editor Jack Shoulder who uh, as far as other stuff he did in the horizon he also directed Freddy's Revenge aka Gay Pride Freddy of course uh, Cropsy Speaks an interview with Lou David who plays Cropsy uh, it was great to see I don't think I've ever seen him um interview before. I don't think he was in, I don't think he's in the Blood and Fire Memories documentary, so it's pretty cool to see old Lou David. Uh, Summer Camp Nightmare interview with Lee Ayers, who's the main heroine of the film. We've got around 10 minutes of behind-the-scenes footage courtesy of Tom Savini, which is always great to see. I love it when Savini digs out this stuff for DVD releases and stuff. You get to see uh, Savini casually setting his legs on fire during the uh, opening fire stunt, and uh, operating the shears during the raft attack, which is great to see. Um, considering the amount of footage they've no doubt he has because he always back in the early 80s uh, always had his video camera out documenting all the behind the scenes stuff so it's, just, it's a shame it wasn't used and incorporated into like a longer hour long making of or something but one day I guess when someone decides to make a feature length documentary on Savini all that stuff will be in there and it'll be it'll be tip top let's be honest uh, so all that jazz plus the usual still galleries and trailer and all that stuff is ported over from the Shout Factory release but as for the exclusives for this release, you got an interview with uh, Rick Wakeman talking about scoring the film. He goes into the lack of money and how it was originally supposed to have an orchestral score and a choir and stuff, and then there was some trouble and that slashed his budget. And, uh, but is it, uh, to be honest, I, I like the, the score the way it is. I love electronic scores and progressive rock scores. So. But it's a fun little interview. And also only in this release is a third audio company from the Slasher Movie Podcast, The Hysteria Continues. So as you can see... Quite a jam-packed release, full of gubbins. Uh, capped off by being released in limited edition steelbook with the great Mondo artwork, which looks amazing. Unfortunately, though, you know, uh, that's out of print now. But a standard edition, with all the same gubbins on it, just in a standard case, is uh, out on December 19th. So there you go. I would uh, highly recommend, if you're a fan of The Burning, if you're not a fan of The Burning, you've never seen it, you like slasher movies, what are you doing? Give it a watch. I think this is pretty much uh, the last film that was on my wish list of films for Arrow to release but it's hard to say because I never thought they would release stuff like Big Trouble in Little China in the Burbs so there's, you know, there's still a chance that some of my favourite movies will be coming out from Arrow but uh, this is one of the last big horror ones I would say but yeah, go get it on December 19th when the standard edition comes out, it's well worth your money back to the show, back to the normal show now
Right then, that is this show, ladies and Yes. So Halloween special. Is it Halloween? Pretty much. It'll be... Well, it'll be the 26th when this goes up. Yes. So this this month's been the month of Halloween-related shenanigans. Hmm. So, yeah. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't think of a sign-off. No, that's we need to come up with sign-offs. Hmm. Go fuck yourself. That's my side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To this movie, go fuck yourself. Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Fucking tilt. There's my side off. <laughs> so until next time, we'll catch you later, you murder crushes. Mm, yes, yeah, Tilt. Fuck you. Hi, I'm Stacey with Aness, the Director of Operations over here at Wafu HQ. If you'd like to support the show, a review and rating on iTunes would be much appreciated. Just search for Wafu FM. Or, if you're not an iTunes user, a review over at Stitcher.com would also be flipping marvellous. Once again, just search for Wafu FM. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, the email address is wafupodcast at gmail.com. Or alternatively, if you'd prefer to leave a voicemail, head on over to www.speakpipe.com slash wafu fm. Thanks for listening. Yeah.